Are you talking? Okay, I know you're talking about a TV show, right? Because you told me that. Yes. Is it Parks and Recreation? I can't tell you. Yes, you can. Which okay. we have to wait till the podcast. This is the podcast. Okay. Is it? Is it a show that I've seen? Uh huh. Is it? A show that we both have seen. Uh-huh. Wait, that was a stupid question. <laughs> um, I guess you've seen, you've seen shows that I haven't seen. Yeah, that's true. I, I definitely have seen more shows than you. I have. Isn't that right? Name all the shows you've seen. Parks and Rec. <laughs> Is it Parks and Rec? No. I guess I'll find out. Um... I feel like guessing is futile if, you, if I don't, like, get an answer. Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It has to do with a... The government a, in Indiana. Sh- what? <laughs> it has to do with some kids, and it is cartoon style. Oh. And I've seen it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You never seen any kid cartoons? Dude, I don't know. Because, like, all I can think about is, like, Ben 10 and, like, Rugrats. Rugrats. Have you seen Have you seen the Rugrats like recently? Huh. It's like kind of scary, isn't it? Dude, what is it with like old shows being scary? We're gonna have to. It's it's like creepy. Like I don't know what it is. They're like character Kids designs, or they're style. like creepy. It's not bluey. But that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Okay, well let's just wait, wait, wait. Give me a hit for yours. I want to guess. Mine's a game. You know, mine's a game. Ocarina of Time. Well, free. <laughs> I don't know any other I'm just kidding well alright well, that's podcast that's the podcast oh. no okay we've had our guesses uh huh you ready to go alright welcome to gallery and welcome to gallery indeed because this is a podcast that we're starting where we celebrate all forms of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is music, movies, video games, paintings, architecture. Uh, did I say literature? Mm-hmm. Literature. I said poetry. I feel like I'm I can't one. remember now. <laughs> <laughs> what is our podcast? Uh, but um, basically, each episode, this is my wife, Camille. My name is McKay. Um, each episode, we're just going to take turns talking about one piece of art that we really love and that we think the other person should know about, we think is underappreciated, we think that people should try more, whatever it is, um, just to celebrate it and recognize the good of it. So, We are art lovers. We are art in lovers. In the weirdest, weirdest little way. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's... I. So I went to college for film. Yeah. My degree was called Media Arts. Yeah. And I have a particular interest in movies mm-hmm. and like television, that kind of thing. And I also love to read. I grew up reading. Mm-hmm. I grew up reading everything. Yeah, you and, did. You read a lot of books. Yeah. And I mean, what girl did it? That's a good point. What's that thing about like hot girls read books or something? It's true because you're and beautiful. All boys read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. All boys and... did read Diary of a Kid. <laughs> I did too. No hate. Hey, no hate. No hate to Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Good. It's good. Maybe we'll cover that in an episode. You guys stay tuned. Um, and then were you done? Mm-hmm. And then I am currently going to school for illustration, and I didn't grow up reading, but I grew up playing a ton of video games. And so I love visual art. I love architecture and 
painting and art history, and I also love gaming. And I think that video games are, in my opinion, the most compelling art form. Um, and they absolutely deserve to be in the conversation when talking about new media, when talking about art, when talking about valid hobbies. So let's, do you want to go first? Yeah. What are you talking about this week? Okay. I have an intro. I have something to say about it first. Okay, great. Because, okay. I kind of have that too. I've written a lot of things on what good art is. Yes. And I've had a lot of professors be like, oh, you have to write essays on like what good art is. And it's really hard to quantify. And it's like super objective. No. And, I mean, super subjective. Subge yeah, subjective. And it's hard to make it objective and stuff. But they're like, write papers on it. And so some of the criteria I've come up with over the years has been incredibly varied for what I consider to be good. Yeah. Other than like a base quality. But one thing that I found that I just really enjoy and whenever I see something with it, I feel like it's good is like if it's positive and like wholesome. Is it Abbott Elementary? No. Dang it. <laughs> and I told you it was a cartoon. Oh, that's <laughs> But I just don't watch, I don't watch a lot of animated shows. And I'm like racking my brain. Go. It's uh, Muppet Babies. I'm, what the? What <laughs> it's the? Muppet Babies. I've never even heard that. Um, and this is something that I feel like is so positive that that's why everybody likes it so much. Okay. It is Phineas and Ferb. Oh my gosh, Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, it's Phineas and Ferb. I have not seen a lot of Phineas and Ferb, but I know about it and I have friends that love it. And I know that it's just such a funny, like just crazy creative show. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I ha like I said, I haven't seen a lot, but like what I have seen, I really love. You haven't seen a lot? You didn't watch a Disney channel? No. We didn't have cable. I didn't have cable growing up. Don't look at the camera. <laughs> oh, you turned out like that. Shut up. Oh, okay, okay. What do you know about the Phineas and Ferb plot? I know that there are 104 days of summer vacation. School <laughs> comes along just to end it. And I believe that the annual problem of our generation... All right, you can stop. You... That's the plot! What's wrong? <laughs> um, okay, no, Phineas and Ferb are like these genius kids that like make up all these inventions. And every day they make like a roller coaster in their backyard or like a freaking like... I'm trying to think of like specific episodes because like I can't really remember like anything they did. But like... The bottom line is that every day they make something new, their sister Candace... No, Candace stop it. Who? Stop okay. it. Their sister Candace is like, you freaking kids, I'm going to kill you. No, no. I'm going to bust them. <laughs> They're going to bust. Yeah, that's what she's always doing. She's going to bust them. And there's a whole song about that, I believe. Mm -hmm. And every day she tries to get her mom to be like, hey, look at what Phineas and Ferber are doing. You got to get them in trouble. Conveniently, the 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 invention gets whisked away. Usually by Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And there's a subplot where their pet platypus is like a CIA agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like an undercover. Like, did spy. I pin it down for yeah, you? Yeah, you did. Okay, you did. great. And okay, so the interesting thing about this, um, fun fact, when the show was kind of created, the idea for it was created, it was from that day, it was 16 years until they got it like to, to on Disney. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because nobody would take it. Wait, what? When yeah, did it air? Yeah, it's like such a popular show. You like wouldn't think this. It what? aired in like 2007, I want to say 2008 or something. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up. <laughs> you don't trust 2007? me? 2007? Yeah. 16 years? Right. That's 16 in the years. 90s. Yeah, they did. Oh they, my they came gosh. up with it in the 90s. That's crazy. And listen, why do you think that they wouldn't take such a popular show? 
popular? Well, I mean, well, they didn't know it was going to be popular, but like... Because it was animated? It's Disney Channel. <laughs> but I mean... Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It was because some people thought it was way too, like, crazy and confusing. There was really? there's a couple of problems. First, it's like the simplest show. Listen, well, when you think about it, there's all these different plot lines happening. Like, the boys are building their thing. Candace is trying to go get the mom to come back. Okay. And that's Harry fair. and Doofenshmirtz, like, there's a lot of, like, three different timelines happening That's here. true. And everybody was like, that's too complicated. All the kids aren't going to get it. Yeah. And then there's... I forgot everything I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the... Another point that I'm going to touch on is that Phineas and Ferb... This is super interesting. Phineas and Ferb don't change. They don't have a character arc. They never face obstacles. They never have to like learn and grow. They're just like they're just doing genius their thing. kids and yeah, they're not the point of Phineas and Ferb. They're not like the A plot. Interesting. Like Perry and Doofenshmirtz and Candace, they're the A plot. Like they're like it you should think? be Doofenshmirtz and Candace. Interesting, because they're the ones that are learning and growing and everything like that. Okay. And so everybody was like, you can't just let Phineas and Ferb be like do what, static the whole time. Off yeah, all just day. like goof yeah. up, like what like where how do like kids learn and grow from that. And so that's why people wouldn't take it. Okay. Isn't that like weird? And so, okay. What? Nothing. Keep going. I'm just thinking. <laughs> I don't have anything to say really. I'm just thinking. So that's why that's why it was so unique. It was such a unique plot. And I think that's why people like it so much. Yeah. Is because, first of all, it lets kids like, kind of the point of this is that kids are smart and, and they're, they can be dignified and they can be creative. Yeah. And when they're given this kind of love and support that they are from their parents and they can do whatever they want and not have any problems. And the whole point is like, they don't even care if they get busted by Candace, right? Like, it doesn't matter to them. Like, it's not a bad thing that she's trying to do this to them. They're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's just, oh man. Okay. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Okay. My second one is that, like I was saying, it's a really wholesome plot. And that's why I picked it, why, why I think it's so good and why everybody likes it so much is because, I don't know if you've seen enough episodes to understand this, but nobody's, like, painted as a jerk character. What about Buford? He's the bully, right? But he has all of these moments where he learns to be kind and, like, learns to, like, love other people, and he supports his friends. Like, he's the bully. Uh But there's not a lot of archetypes in Phineas and Ferb. Oh, man. What about Doofenshmirtz? He's evil scientist archetype. But I guess he's so dumb and goofy. Not even that. Listen... There's so many, there's this YouTube video called like, why is Dr. Doofenshmirtz like the best cartoon dad? Because he is, like he grew up, remember the- That sounds like I, I got to add some, that's like a video I got to add to my watch later. I know it is. <laughs> Listen like, to it. Remember the whole like, have you seen the meme where he's like, my birth was horrible, like it all started yeah, at my yeah. birth. And Both his parents, parents didn't, even didn't show, up. show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that, yeah. And like he had like this horrible childhood where he was like forced to be a gnome in their garden and like- Everything like that. Yeah, and that. every time he moved, they <laughs> so, were like, like yeah. I don't remember what they said, but. <laughs> and so Gosh, he, it. he had this horrible childhood, and then he grows up, and he has Vanessa as his kid. Yeah. she's. He goes through a divorce. Stop it. She is. She is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah. she's a kid, Candace. I mean, what? Sorry. And then, <laughs> and then he is such like, he's such a good dad to her. Like, he always had these horrible birthdays and Vanessa gets all these amazing birthdays even though she's a goth baddie and doesn't really care about them or whatever. But like, he's like a great dad. And so that means he's not even like a, like a villain character. Yeah, I know that he has like, 
I know that that's kind of his thing is like he had such a terrible childhood, like a, a like a humorously terrible childhood, but he still like loves his daughter, even though his daughter's like kind of like dad, like <laughs> that's so cool to put in a, in a show that's so simple. So nobody's like super flat, like, oh, he's the bad guy. He's the bully. They're the smart person, you know, like like Doofenshmirtz isn't even trying to do something really bad all he wants is to like take over the tri-state yeah. area which is like a small <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's like this big and it's just because oh my like, gosh brother. that's the joke is like <laughs> yeah. he's a villain who doesn't want to take over the world he just wants to take over like the town like, the county <laughs> yeah. because he's like jealous of his brother dan who's the main really yeah your brother yeah oh my gosh anyway, we didn't watch this yeah you do i got a buddy who loves it i got a Everybody buddy loves and it. his wife who loves it it's a good show yeah. and so Okay, yeah, no jerk characters. And think about, like, think about other shows, like SpongeBob. You know how stupid Patrick is? He's the stupid one. He's the stupid one. And that's, Squid- like, the butt of the joke. Yeah. And, and Squidward's, Squidward's, like, the, the ha one. Like, so smart and above, everyone refined. And because they have these archetypes, they rely on gags. And, like, oh, Patrick's so stupid, that's why it's funny. But Phineas and Ferb never do that. They never say, oh... You know, Buford is so stupid because he's a bully. They don't, like, work on that kind of gag humor. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a lot smarter of writing. So where does the humor come from, then, if it doesn't come from the archetypes? Great question. And that leads me to my third point. Ah, a segue. (laughs) Which, my third point is that this kids' show, which is aimed at kids, is for everyone. And Facts. The creators said that... Like, a lot of people gave them some backlash because they put up a lot of, like, adult jokes in it. Like, there's a joke about, like, a male dancer being in, like, a ship and stuff. And, like, kids yeah. like, kids won't get those kinds of jokes. And people were like, well, why are you putting that kind of stuff in here? And the creator said, I wrote it down. Which one, Dan or Jess? Um, who's Jeff? I'm pretty sure it's, Jeff like, Dan Swampy and Marsh. Marsh. And Dan Povenmire, <laughs> right? I, it's, it's Marsh. I have Marsh. Um, we decided very early on that children are much more intelligent than people give them credit for. So we never took a joke out because we thought it was too clever for them or it would go over their heads. I love that because, I don't know, I feel like that's the best kids media and that's the best everyone media. This is why Ratatouille is so good and why um, a lot of animated films are, not not animated films, but I should say why Brad Bird's stuff is so good because he makes it so everybody can understand that a kid can enjoy it, but that everybody can enjoy it, which doesn't have to be everything. Things can be aimed at kids. Things can be aimed at adults, but to have something that works for everybody to have a kid show that anybody, not a kid show, a kid show that anybody can enjoy is hard to do. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he said, he said, we don't make a show for kids. We just try not to alienate kids. Boom. I know. And there it is. I know. And what a great quote. Right? Right? And so it's just like, it's so impressive that these writers kind of came together. They made this kid's show that that kids enjoy. But also if like you and me go back and watch it as adults, it is so freaking funny. It is pretty dang funny. And it's so interesting. Like, because we have the action with Perry and Doofenshmirtz and we have the like, stakes with candace trying to bring back the mom and we have this like creative fun and not to mention i forgot about this not to mention there's a bop in every episode there is there a song in every single one yeah 
I know about squirrels in my pants. <laughs> and I know about... Aglet? Or ag- what's that called? Aglet? <laughs> what is that called? Is that the shoelace thing? Yeah. They what? And I know about the... I ain't got rhythm. <laughs> no, I ain't you, got rhythm. Bow to, what is it? Bow to and the heart starts coming. Do, 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 well. I love Never you. Never gonna stop. Kitty, kitty, I love you. We should be songwriters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. We love a bop in every episode, is what you're trying to say. I, that is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's really, really good. So, that's my analysis. That's why I think. Phineas and Ferb is so good. It's wholesome. It's positive. It it puts kids in the spotlight and it makes them so they're smart and everything. And it like, doesn't talk down to them. It doesn't talk down to anyone. You know yeah. how like cartoon dads are always stupid. Yeah, like they're the most idiotic guys. Give me an example. On, like Simpson. Homer. Yeah. I'm trying to think of more. The Family Guy guy. Peter Griffin. Pe- <laughs> <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I don't know any names. So I'm just He's stupid. Those. Who else is stupid? Is Caillou's dad stupid? <laughs> <laughs> like every everybody's dad's stupid. It's because they're always like run ragged. Even in sitcoms, this happens. Like, you know, yeah, just like live action sitcoms. It's like they're always run ragged, or they're too busy for their kids, or they're just like stupid. And the butt of the joke is them. Mm. But like for this, like the parents, their parents are dignified. Yeah, and they're supported. They have a good relationship. I know that. Ferb's dad is from the UK. Yeah. So. Have you seen the theory about. Shut up. I have a theory segment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. wait, 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 what were you The say? theory that Doofenshmirtz is Phineas's dad. <laughs> Phineas's and none of the creators will comment on it. Yeah. It, wait, wait, wait. No, they did. I thought they said that. Oh, no. They said that we will never say because it's. Oh, you don't need to know because it's okay to like have a found family or something. Oh. I'm pretty sure they said that he wasn't. Oh, I saw it, I saw it in a TikTok. So it's probably right. It's then. probably right. <laughs> anyway, that's what I feel about Phineas and Ferb. Great. Um, I have prepared a couple of segments for you. How many? Two. Let's do it. <laughs> One is the lore section. Welcome to gallery lore. Dun, 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 My name dun, dun, is Aaron dun. Monkey, and. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on from that. Yeah, yeah, What's the lore section? <laughs> Wait. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's why I said that. Go, go, go. <laughs> okay. Um, the lore section is, first of all, I wanted to go. Okay. I wanted to applaud the creators for making a show where you can get so deep into lore that, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, like, Doofus versus Phineas's dad. And they're like, yeah, go for it. Oh, there's a lot of loose ends not like loose ends, but it's like it's like a fleshed out enough story that you can dive into it. Like that's why everybody's freaking obsessed about Harry Potter is because she fleshed out her world so good. That's true. That, like you can figure out about like the Fantastic Beasts and everything, and like yeah. that's a whole sub story. Especially Quidditch. Quidditch Shut is so cool Quidditch. and not stupid at all. Keep going. It's not McKay McKay's opinion a, hour. McKay opinion hour is only that Quidditch, Quidditch sucks. is stupid. Continue. Dude. All right. <laughs> The first one, the lore that I wanted to bring up was who is Phoenix's dad, but we already covered that. Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Yeah. So, who knows about that one? We'll leave that up to audience discretion. Yes. The second lore that I, I was researching, and I found this, and I don't know if you've ever heard it, and it's obviously true because I went to, like, theories.com, and... Theories.com? 
And all of the like pronouns like kept changing. Like they were talking about this girl, but they kept calling the girl a he and then a she. And which girl? Candace. So okay, listen. Wait, what? Here's the here's the like internet theory. It was debunked, but here's the theory. There was this girl named Candace Fletcher in Russia. What? Yeah, in like the nineties, and she had two little brothers. One was super, what? One was super ha- hyperactive, named Phineas. This is not and real. And one had a mental illness, which made it so he was mute, which was Ferb. But he, Ferb isn't mute. I know. But he speaks but, sometimes. Listen, listen. He says, it's a Hello. based off of. People say this is what it was like the true story that Phineas and Ferb was based okay, off of. Okay, keep going. I my mind is racing because this is, that's <laughs> crazy. Like, that's crazy. I know. And apparently, they say that like this Candace in Russia had schizophrenia, and she would like. Or like some Man. type of disorder, and it's she always would like, schizophrenia. Yeah, and because she had these problems with her younger brother, she would make up all these stories about her, uh, about them. See, I'm just like the article. I'm using the wrong pronoun. Uh, she would make up all these these stories about them, and they were crazy and fantastical. And her mom took her to the doctor and everything, and they were like, "She's crazy." Wow. So she started writing them in a diary, and then she like herself and so she left the diary and the parents sold the diary to disney and that's how it like came is that real no (laughs) (laughs) but but it's not kind of crazy no okay i have so many questions where did that come from was it like a news article or did was that completely made up i think think that's completely made up that's so funny because it's like they sold it they sold it in the diary in 2007 which people were like, it aired. And <laughs> Can you imagine if like, oh, I really like this show. It's based off of a dead Russian girl's <laughs> diary. Know. And then it's like, there's 104 days. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> literally. Dude. And, and I also feel like theories like that kind of like are mean to the creators. Yeah. Because it's like they made that up and it's amazing. And it's not because of some random like Russian lady. It makes for a good Facebook post. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay, and here's my next segment. Is it this is... the game one? Yeah. It is... I have a game for dun, 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 you. Gallery dun, dun, game. Dun, dun, dun. Gallery game. It is called, um, did Ferb say it or did a cowboy say it? I'm in. <laughs> go, let's go. The first one. I reckon herding cattle ain't for city folk. I know the Ferb said that. How do, how do you know that? I feel like I, I know that. Did he? It was Ferb. That's the end of the segment. All right. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Dude, I aced it. Yeah, you got 100%. Okay, wait, no, I have a different one. Did, did, did Ferb say it or did I Google cool facts for kids and that popped up? I have actual, I have actual ones for this. Okay. Do you know the, do you know your categories? Are you saying, wait. Did Ferb say it or did I Google cool facts for kids and it popped up? Okay, I understand. Okay. First one. You cannot sneeze with your eyes open. That is a cool fact for kids. Correct. Dude, I'm crazy. I'm freaking crazy. Okay, how about sharks have to continue to move forward or they'll drown. Or, or they'll drown. That's Ferb. Correct. Yo! Okay. How do you know that? Because I'm epic. <laughs> You're like, my Ferb meter is going off. <laughs> um, actually. Okay, next one. Gladiators were Roman, not Greek. That's Ferb. <laughs> okay. Um, next one. Mummies had their brains pulled out by their nose. There's a line in the theme song that says fighting a mummy. 
So but I think that's cool facts for kids. Incorrect. Dang it! That was a Ferb quote. And then most people cannot lick their elbows. That's Ferb. That's a cool facts for kids. I I ah oh, okay. You missed two. That was pretty good. What is my score officially? Uh, I didn't count. Comment below. <laughs> the <laughs> case score. Did you think that I won, or did you think that I lost? <laughs> email what you think to our email. Okay, that's what I have to say about Phineas and Ferb. That was beautifully said, and I think what I got from it was that a the age old adage that should be age old and that should be widely accepted: the animation is not just for kids, mm-hmm. and that even if it is for kids, you can. Make it smart enough for adults. Yeah, you can make it smart. You can make it mature. Love it. That was well said. I love you. And you're beautiful and radiant. No, 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 not oh. right now. Not on the podcast. Oh. Sorry. Later, though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. I have a confession to make. I have been pregnant. No. <laughs> I have been lying to you. It's Ocarina of Time. I'm talking about The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. You're the worst. Let me paint you a picture. 1986. You you like get out your I get out a canvas and I'm like, (laughs) like... I just paint Link and I'm like, that's it. (laughs) There's like no audio. Um, (laughs) Today is not our video. Welcome to Gallery ASMR. Don't do that. Can you... you Ocarina of Time. So let me paint you a picture. 1985. Okay. Um... Everyone, no, early 80s. Everyone hates video games because Atari fricked every. Atari, Atari fricked everything up. They made so many copies of E.T. the game. <laughs> they literally made, they made so many copies of E.T. the game. They made more copies of E.T. the game than there were Atari 2600 sold. <laughs> they thought it was going to be the, like, the next thing since sliced bread. And so wait, they wait, went, wait, wait, wait. Why E.T. the game? Because the movie was just coming out. And every, every, they thought that movie mm-hmm. was going to be amazing? Yeah, it have is. You seen, have, you seen, have you seen that tweet where they're like, if yeah. I can tell you this much, if me and my friends saw E.T., we'd beat him up with like sticks. Dick. Yeah. Yes. It's a good movie. I would do that to E.T. I'd beat him up with a stick. We're getting off topic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. They make so many freaking copies of E.T. for the Atari 2600. Because they were riding high. The Atari was big. E.T. was coming out. Um, It was a Steven Spielberg movie, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he... And and they went... They bit off more than they could chew. The game was awful. And it it was at this point that they were kind of going for quantity over quality. And so people were spending... And games were expensive. You think games are expensive now? Yes. Games are expensive. Were way more expensive back then. Like how much? Like hundreds. Like, you adjust for inflation. There's a donkey video about it. I'll show you. But um, um, people are buying expensive games that don't work. And people start to get really fed up. And as a result, hundreds of, of copies of E.T. are in landfills. And the reason I bring e. this up... E.T. destroyed the environment. E.T. E. destroyed the video game industry. Dang. Because this was the, what is called the great video game crash of... I forget the year, but... Nobody wanted video games. In swoops, your favorite Hanafuda card manufacturer, Nintendo. And they what did, come what out. What did you say? Hanafuda? Hanafuda cards. They started in 1889. What even is that? 
They're they're just Japanese playing cards. Oh, yeah, like baseball cards for games. Kinda. No, not for games. They started in 1889. Games didn't exist back then. So for horses. Unless we're talking Pac-Man, oldest frick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pac-Man is, is like, okay. playing cards for the. It doesn't matter. The king. Okay. It doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> they single-handedly saved the video game industry. Dang. They, everybody hates Nintendo. No, wait. Everybody hates Atari because nobody wants video games anymore. Everybody's really wary of it. Nintendo comes in with the Nintendo Entertainment System. They have a new controller. They have an actual character that you can play. Mario. They are already Our known man. as, um, they already are known from the arcade games. And what they do is they market it as toys, not electronics, as the Atari was. They put it in the toy aisles, and it is a hit. Everybody knows Mario. Everybody knows Duck Hunt, and everybody is getting a Nintendo Entertainment System. That came out in 1986. 1980, no, sorry, 1985 is when the NES came out and when Mario came out. Next year, they release another big game, one of their biggest titles, The Legend of Zelda. And nothing had, like, you had never seen anything like it. Like, there was Adventure on the Atari, and you you know who you played at as an adventure? A square. No. Yes, you play it as a square. But in The Legend of Zelda, you played as a character, and you had weapons, and there were different enemies, and there was a huge world to explore. And I would say that it's probably one of the first open world games Thanks. because you can go anywhere. And back then, they were so nonlinear that you had to call a hotline if you got lost. Like the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. <laughs> games were built around that. O- or old games were built around that. They were built around reading the instruction manual. And um, that's why Metroid, that's how Metroid got its start. I need a hotline for Metroid. For real. You do need a hotline for Metroid. I'm always but, lost. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... It's a hit again. And to this day, I mean, The Legend of Zelda is... Oh, yeah, I'm wearing, his, I'm wearing a Zelda shirt. For our audio listeners, he is wearing a Zelda t-shirt. For our audio listeners, t-shirt. I'm wearing a Tears of the Kingdom t-shirt. <laughs> um, but Zelda is huge. Wow. And also, in addition, 3D action games are huge. Dark Souls, Elden Ring, um, to a lesser extent, Uncharted, and The Last of Us. And... That is due to... So the reason I bring up the 80s is because um, it was Mario who made the debut and then Zelda kind of did something different. And fast forward to a few years later with the Nintendo 64, um, 3D gaming is the next big thing. And who is the front runners in revolutionizing it? Nintendo and Mario 64. And so what Mario 64 did was your character doesn't move up, down, left, right. It can your character can move everywhere, and nobody had seen anything like it. PlayStation kind of did it with Crash Bandicoot, but it was really Mario who, who, revolutionized moving around in a 3D space. And in the same way that the original Legend of Zelda kind of brought a different spin on what Mario had done, Ocarina of Time, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time did the same thing. Mario showed how you could move around in a 3D space, and The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time showed how you could tell a story <laughs> and flesh out a world in a 3D space. And it was revolutionary in that way. So the first point that I want to touch on is, well, A, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is kind of a legendary game. It's it's on the level of, like, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but Citizen Kane. It's like, it's, it's just... You've never seen Citizen Kane? No. It's kind of boring, so... <laughs> but... Um, 
Zelda is the Ocarina of Time is just kind of it's legendary, no pun intended. Pun intended. And the reason why is because it was just so revolutionary. It revolutionized 3D action games. <laughs> and so I mentioned Elden Ring, I mentioned Dark Souls. That those systems <laughs> you're so you're good at Elden Ring. Elden Ring makes me swear. Elden Ring does make her swear. Anyway, <laughs> so a lot of things in Elden Ring and in a lot of 3D action games like um, Sekiro and Ghost of Tsushima. And they come from they Zelda. Co- they originate back to Zelda. Dang. Which is my first point in one way that Zelda revolutionized these is Z-targeting. So Z-targeting was amazing. Nintendo knew that it would be tough to fight enemies in a 3D space. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of enemies in Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Truly. There's just obstacles. There's almost Goombas. Yeah, but Goombas are Goombas. In this game, you have, you know, Bokoblin. Not Bokoblin. Oh, true. They, like, attack you. Yeah, they attack you. And you have, they move around you. You know, they're not just there in the level. They're not obstacles. They're enemies. And so Nintendo knew that that would be difficult. So they introduced Z-targeting, which um, is talking about the Nintendo 64 controller. There's the Z button. Yeah. You hit Z button on an enemy and you lock onto it. And your camera moves around you and fixes on that enemy. What does that sound like? That sounds like every other targeting in every other game. Exactly. Zelda was the first to do it. No way. Yeah. That comes from Ocarina of Time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So whenever I tell you to lock on when we're playing Elden Ring, that's Zelda. It comes from Zelda. It comes from Zelda. That's so random and weird. Isn't that cool? So they made moving around and doing things in a 3D space really manageable. Yeah. Hyrule Field is a really good example. And by, well, I'll touch on this later, but by today's standards, it's kind of empty. Mm-hmm. But you leave Kokiri Forest and there's this vast world. There was nothing like it, really. Mm-hmm. In the original Legend of Zelda, in Crash Bandicoot, you know, in or in the original, I'm getting out of myself. In the original <laughs> Legend of Zelda, it was screens. You have this one and this one and this one and this one. And in Crash Bandicoot, it's a straight line. But in Ocarina of Time, and even in Mario 64, you just had kind of these obstacle course levels. There wasn't a big open area. Yeah. Hyrule Field was a huge open area to really, and you could see all the things in the background. Instant storytelling, instant world building. Cool. From a 3D space. And it really makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. Instead of just like playing a part. Exactly. Like you're who you want to be. You are Link. You're in there. You're in the field. Um, hookshot. The hookshot was a, a, a really cool item that is basically a grappling hook. You shoot it and you get pulled to that space. So in dungeons, you can shoot yourself across a pit. And in the water temple specifically, you can get to higher ground by shooting on the ceiling and you kind of Spider-Man your way up there with the hookshot, which segues to the next reason why I revolutionized 3D games, vertical movement. Wait, wait, okay. I've heard you say that Ocarina of Time is like one of the most famous games because it did so much for the gaming industry. Yep. And these are the reasons why. These are the reasons why. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just like good. Like I was like, oh, everybody liked it. So yeah. Vertical movement. Vertical movement is not exclusive to Ocarina of Time. It's, there was a lot of vertical movement in Mario, but um, having vertical movement in a 3D space was really hard, but there's a lot of dungeons in Ocarina of Time where it's done really creatively in the great Deku tree. You have to get to the second floor by jumping off of the top of the dungeon through a spider web in the floor, and that gives you enough momentum and weight to crash through the floor. That is so cool. Back then, and like I wasn't born, but that was, 
that had it. Like, that was so cool. Yeah. You know? And then the last thing that I kind of want to say is that the world building was deliberate. Mm. There, everything mattered. Everything had to do with the story. And, you know, the the way that Death Mountain is set up isn't set up for because it's just set up like that. It's set up to make you feel like you're climbing up to a goal. Hmm. And uh, same with Hyrule Castle. It's there's slopes that go diagonally up, and that's a big part of the story. So you know the 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 3D space lends itself to the story really well because it's it's deliberately you know making you go through these cool areas to get to this important spot, which is so interesting it's so memorable you get to zora's domain by going down this maze of rivers you get to death mountain by climbing a mountain and there's rocks falling everywhere yeah i mean and it's not just it's not just that for the sake of being that it's part of the story you know yeah so the the real question that i want to pose to you well so for a while there the legend of zelda ocarina of time is was considered the best game of all time yeah. And that back then that was widely considered because of nostalgic reasons, because the people who played it when they were a kid were finally getting big enough and they were like, oh, well, it's obviously Zelda. They're like, Hyrule feels so big. Exactly. And so now, is it the best game of all time? Is it is it really legendary and, and incredible and a, a huge step forward? Yes. But the reason there is a debate about is it the best game of all time is the question, has it aged well? Quote, quote, unquote, aged well. So this is a big debate because back then in the 90s when they made Ocarina of Time, they didn't have the same technology that we did today. They really had to work with what they've got. And so that's why it feels kind of janky. Mm-hmm. And it feels kind of like, for lack of a better term, old. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, people are starting to question like, is it really good um, because of these things? Because the UI is kind of janky and some of the quality of life stuff is really annoying and the graphics, stuff like that. The question is, should games and really other pieces of art be viewed in their context back then? Should they be, should their quality be judged by their context back then in the context of their time period or should they be put put up against game stand, today's standards oh man what do you think well i can only take it back to movies because i love movies and i've seen a lot of really really old film yeah. silent film yeah. black and white you know all that and man Let's see. Part of it to me, I think there's a lot of films like The Invisible Man. I think it was made in. I know there's an, another one that was just made in like 2020. I know which one you're talking about, where he takes off the. There's like that famous shot where he takes off his bandages, mm-hmm. and it's super old. Like, How yeah. did he do that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like awesome. About. So yeah. well done. Didn't have green screens, and yeah. like even for today's standards, it is like the most like mind blowing. It was made in like what the 30s or something. Familiar, yeah. And it is like the coolest thing ever, and it it totally holds up to today's standards. Yeah, I love like it's so good. Yeah. And then there's what? Please keep going. Then there's like those really, you know, those old films, like the, like the, you, you could say first films of like the train coming into the station mm-hmm. and the, the like people walking out of the Lumiere Brothers yeah. factory, that yeah. kind of thing. And I think that those are, of course, poor quality because of the like 
you had to crank your camera like that and everything was all jumpy it was different like frame rates and stuff but I think that they're still good and still interesting for me as a viewer to watch because I know about the context okay and so what I'm saying I feel like is that you can do both in my opinion that's a great point let's talk about Ocarina of Time I feel like for me as a modern day player playing Ocarina of Time with a very short, stupid attention span. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fun playing it because like it just felt old almost. Yeah, it kind of feels classic. It had a charm it's, about it. That's the thing. It's Ocarina of Time has a charm. I mean, you I mean Kokiri Forest, you remember all of these places. Where you like walk up to the Great Deku tree and you're like, oh my gosh, like he's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. But but if that owl talks to me exactly. one more time. That's the thing that people always mention is like the owl and the user interface. Yeah. And or like the some Hyrule, contr- oh, go ahead. Hyrule field is kind of empty. I was going to say, I like yeah, walking through empty. it is literally the most boring part of the game. You have to walk like all the yeah. way to the castle and I'm like, oh, what yeah, is this end? Right? I'm like on like, my phone, like pushing like, up the Is <laughs> that fun? And it's like, that's the question is like, is not whether is it good, is it fun? Mm-hmm. And I say it's fun. And I say it's hold up. It holds up, and here's why. I'm so glad that you mentioned with old film, like it's cool to see these things. It's cool to see the Invisible Man wrap his unwrap his things. Yeah. But the quality is still not great by today's standards. And with Zelda going through dungeons and fighting bosses and seeing Zelda and getting a horse and you know seeing Ganon kidnap Zelda right before your eyes, that stuff is cool Ganon Mark Mark you no know what I mean? stop oh, it <laughs> <laughs> but I agree anyway <laughs> that stuff is cool so at its core the 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 gameplay the stuff that really matters totally holds up because I mean if it really didn't lock-on systems still wouldn't happen <laughs> the things that Zelda revolutionized wouldn't be around today if it truly didn't work and what's not That's around true. today is the stupid user interface and the stupid freaking ocarina and the stupid like controller that you had to deal with with the n64 and like the the yellow camera buttons the stuff that didn't work isn't around today yeah and so that shows me that yes it's aged well from a gameplay standpoint but there's the ui is stupid i mean i've i've been i just played through the water temple again and you have to put on iron boots and regular boots to float up or sink down. Oh, interesting. And you can't just switch it with a press of a button. You have to open the menu, switch to the iron boots, press A, close, and then wait for Link to sink. Mm -hmm. That is annoying and not fun. Mm -hmm. But the water temple's cool. And what's great about Ocarina of Time is it had a remake on the 3DS that fixes the problem with aiming the arrow. And you have a touch screen to switch the iron boots now. And the Ocarina of Time, or the, the Ocarina notes are on your screen. You can see which notes you need to hit. And so these quality of life improvements show that the game at its core was still great because they didn't change anything about the gameplay. Cool. They fixed the stuff that didn't age well. Hmm. And it shows that the gameplay was perfect. Do you know of games that have like had a reboot and they changed the gameplay? Um... They change if they change the gameplay. I think of, um, I want to say God of War. If we're talking about not necessarily reboots, are you talking about remakes? 
I don't know. What's the difference? So a, a reboot is like a completely oh oh yeah completely okay. new like, like iCarly got a reboot. Yeah, not a remake. God of War twenty eighteen is a reboot. Okay. Yeah, and Mortal Kombat eleven I think is a reboot. Okay. Mega Man eleven. So they're 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 kind of they're rebooting it. Yeah. They're restarting it. Yeah. Um, a remake is it's, like it's the same thing but yeah. modern. Resident Evil four that just came out. Oh yeah. Ocarina that of Time three D. So and I would say that. You know, Resident Evil is a good example of not changing the gameplay. Yeah. Um, I think God of War's gameplay was changed quite a bit, but I haven't played the old God of War's, so I wouldn't know. Cool. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of more reboots. I kind of think of... I kind of think of Metroid in the sense of, like, Samus's movement is really different, and that affects gameplay quite a bit. Yeah. But... Okay, but even watching you play Super Metroid, she moved good. And then in That's Dread, true. she moved good. She moved so good in Dread. But anyway, I think with art, and I'm not even talking from like a political standpoint. I'm just talking with my quality and like gameplay that I think things should be contextualized. When I'm playing Ocarina of Time, I'm like, oh, this is janky. Because, you know, because that's how it was back then. That doesn't necessarily change my thoughts about the overall experience, but it doesn't mean it's fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the Iron Boots, changing that is annoying. But because I know it was the the technology back then, I don't want to say it gets a pass because it's still annoying. Yeah. But it almost doesn't affect my overall experience. I look back at the water temple and I say, that was stupid and I hate going into the... I've heard the... When you start up the menu a million times. You and but your water levels. You and Nakey Jakey. I hate, I water, hate water, water levels. Yeah. Clanker's Cavern in Banjo-Kazooie can eat a toad. I don't know. That's the first thing that came in my mouth. I didn't want to like say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that... Things should be contextualized, and I think crap should be called out, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't affect the overall experience. Yeah. There are there are games where that's different. Castlevania on the NES, for me, is unplayable. Mm -hmm. the, the conventions of that game back then and, like, the NES difficulty is stupid, and that's not fun. But there's something so magical about The Legend of Zelda. Like you were saying, this, like... I feel like all of the best franchises... Like, let's talk Lord of the Rings, The Legend of Zelda, Harry Potter, mm -hmm. like Star Wars, all of these ones that people have made their entire personality. And maybe because, like, it doesn't matter that the old ones were janky, like the yeah. old Star Wars, you know, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. It matters that the, the creators built out this world so well, even back then. Yeah. Even when quality could have been a problem. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like, people love this story. They love Link and Zelda. They don't love... Well, that's not true. They love the NES, but because they love it because of what you're saying. Yeah. And I think it goes to show that back then they, they worked with those limitations really well. Mm -hmm. They worked with the fact that the, the N64 was really underpowered compared to the PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. And that didn't stop them from focusing on the gameplay and what really makes it compelling and what really makes it fun. And I think that old movies are the same way. I think that old artwork is the same way where, you know, old, old, 
old painters couldn't use a select tool or a copy and paste tool, but they used the colors. They used their their minds. And I think that's what it really comes down to mm-hmm. is, is, for lack of a better term, the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And kind of think about what the gameplay is for other art mediums as opposed to like technique. You know, is it fun? Does it hold up? What does the gameplay say? So my last thing about Ocarina of Time that I'll make quick, the music is amazing. The music, in my opinion, Ocarina of Time has the best video game soundtrack of all time. Like of all time? Of all time. Wait, wait. Did the music change from the NES to the 3DS version? What do you mean? You mean the N64 version? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Really? It didn't change at all. They were like, they this sucks change, so they hard. They didn't really change anything. Dude, Lost Woods, Song of Storms, Gerudo Valley. Oh, it's so good. And the reason it's so good is not because it, it's they're bangers. They're catchy. Mm-hmm. But it's ingrained in the world. Zelda's lullaby isn't Zelda's theme. Isn't just Zelda's theme song. It's it's something that you activate, interact with the world. Ooh, true. It's a song that Zelda teaches you that is her, that she teaches you on the ocarina. It's it's more than a soundtrack. It's, it's like a part of the story. Yeah, it's diegetic. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. So the music is so good. And I could go off on the music for a while, but I think we better wrap it up. Yeah. Wow, that was really well said. Thank you. Your section about Phineas and Ferb was so well said. And gosh, I never considered that. Right? Crazy. I didn't know any of those things about like the actual like gameplay mechanics from mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Now I know why it was now so good. Know. And that's why it's so legendary. 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 And, and, and whether it holds up is really up to you. It's subjective it whether holds it holds up. up. And if you, if you say that it doesn't, you're wrong. Hang on. Wait. And my opinion's right. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but. um. Oh, what, what we're saying is listen to Aglet or whatever that's called. <laughs> Listen to <laughs> listen to squirrels, squirrels in, in my, my pants. pants. Listen to Song of Storms. Listen to Gerudo Valley. Ooh, look at a picture of Ganondorf. Mamma mia, mamma mia. Okay, anyway. All right, yeah, we're done. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening Thank to Gallery listening. Pod. Hey, shut up. Thanks for listening to Gallery Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you're here watching. Uh, we're really excited to do this. We're really happy this is our first episode. And yeah. we love you. Follow us on our socials. Um, TikTok, X, Instagram, X, Instagram, and is that it? Yeah. Oh, those Facebook. Are... No, I we're not on Facebook. Facebook. No. <laughs> um, yeah, TikTok, X, and Instagram. I feel like there's another one. Whatever. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube, I guess. Um, our handle's just gallery underscore podcast. Give us a follow there. Subscribe for new episodes weekly. And say hi. We like you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Okay, okay. And um and bye. Bye.